Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and firsthand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the February 2020 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Chris Hughes, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today we're playing a clip from our 2019 symposium, all about voter education work done in Maine before their first ever statewide Ranked Choice Voting elections in 2018. Take a listen as Kristen Musinski, Director of Communications for the Maine Secretary of State, walks us through how the state educated voters about their new voting method. If you want to take a look at any of the resources Kristen mentions during the clip, links to those are available in the episode description. Hello, everyone. Um, so just going over what we did here in Maine, I'm sure you've, most of you have followed our process here that we started out um, doing ranked choice voting first off in our primaries in June and again in the November elections. So just want to go over a little bit of background first. So you're familiar with where we were coming from with our communication uh, approach. So our, our voters did approve the ranked choice voting in a 2016 um, referendum that was written by the people and it did have some some constitutional conflicts. So we moved on to some legal action and early 2017 ended up getting an advisory opinion from our Supreme Court and our legislature chose to repeal it. And then we came up with the people's veto that uh, fought that repeal. So we did not, there was, there was a lot of legal wrangling and we did not end up getting um our full approval um, that we were going to implement for the June 2018 primary until April. So we had a really short time window to even craft our public message and get it out. Um, and by then it had, it had really become a partisan issue and we were, we were struggling with that a little bit too. Um, we had no funding. So we were starting with trying to figure out how to make this work within our existing budget, not just for implementation, but also for communication. So uh, luckily, you know, Secretary Dunlap had moved ahead with, with the planning for the implementation. So we were ready but we hadn't been able to to move ahead as you would if you uh, had more time to plan. Um, so come no, November, we were using two different types of voting because um, some races were subject to ranked choice voting and some were not. So that was uh, confusing for a lot of folks. They, they were not understanding how come they couldn't rank their choice for governor. And uh, some of that had not gotten through for those who had not followed anything or, or educated themselves prior. Um, so we did have some struggles with that. And... Here we go. Um, so our office, we did have some struggle with education because of that, uh, because of the way that the law came to be. So a um, little bit more background. So I'm the only communications staff person for our entire department. We also oversee the state archives and the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Um, so it's just me and our elections division is about 14 people. And they also had to do the certification for the rest of the election, even when we were dealing with ranked choice uh, tabulations. So we were all hands on deck. All, all of our bureaus were helping out. You see some some folks in, in the back here from uh, BMV archives. Um, we had a lot of help with um, 
with getting this done and, and doing it right um, under the direction of our elections directors. As Julie, she's second from left in the front there. Um, so we decided we would just focus our message on being nonpartisan and instilling voter confidence in the process, letting people know we were ready to implement it. We were going to do it right. It was secure and explaining to them how to uh, accurately cast their vote. So it so it was uh, marked the way that they intended to vote. And so that was that was a big part of our focus. And we talked about how to mark the ballot. That part was clear to most people. It's not rocket science to figure out how to rank what you like the most and what you don't. But there were a lot of questions about the implication of the vote, how to strategically vote, complaints about people having having more than one vote. And we had to, to deal with those calls and concerns. So uh, again, having no funding, we focused a lot on our website and trying to put as many resources as we could on there and to update that. Um, we started with doing an animation. This was something that I had wanted to do to explain the voting process in Maine to begin with. We had done some earlier videos um, using animation. We found this great a uh, program that lets you do it pretty easily and quickly. And that's been really helpful for us. So we went through and did that again for ranked choice voting, went through and made this animation. And it was really helpful to have a move video because we were able to show how your votes move, how they're redistributed if your candidate, your first choice doesn't um, get through. So that was helpful there. And you can check that out on our webpage if you want to see how how we show that that moved. Um, I had pitched the the idea for it and the, the script in March based on our draft rules, got some basic feedback and edits working with our elections team, and, and we were able to record it and complete it uh, for the beginning of May. And having having this stuff, having this whole resource webpage online was a really huge help um, for our entire staff, uh, elections and our main office and, and beyond, because when we got calls, we were able to easily point people to this and show them, uh, let them go through it themselves in the manner that, that worked best for them. And then if they had follow-up questions, they could get back in touch. Um, and it helped some of our staff understand it better as well. So um, we did do the animation. We added some frequently asked questions. Um, these were legitimately frequently asked coming through um, via our Facebook page or phone. And we tried to make the, the ones that were being asked a lot were addressed on here for quick access. Um, we also put up the sample ballots like we always do, but this was particularly helpful for ranked choice because of people what to expect and how their ballot was going to look. And probably most importantly were our sample marked ballots because these these were where the, the big questions came in. Can I do this? Can I do that? Um, this was one of our, our most frequent questions was, can I mark one choice all the way across? Um, and of course you, you can in Maine, doesn't affect it. It just counts as your first choice. And explaining that to folks uh, was helpful to have a visual for them to see. So again, you can see we updated that here for a Senate race once we got into the November election. So I'm kind of showing you both at the same time because we have a limited period here, but uh, for both June and November, we did utilize this website pretty heavily. Um, and we, if for people to either read it, watch the animation, want to absorb the information this way. Um, again, we're using fake names for the candidates, as you can see again here, Smokey Bear, Donald Duck, um, really focused on, on being nonpartisan and being very clear about uh, what your markings mean when you mark the ballot. Uh, we did complete uh, both the rules for how it runs. This gets into the really gritty. So if we had folk wondering, uh, well, how does it work if I do this? Or what about all these the little parts of the technicalis? We had that right up on our website. We could say, you know, if you want to go dive that deep, we got those right here. You can check it out. Um, and we did put the recount rules as well. That was very pertinent when uh, we had the um, 
Poliquin Golden recount in November. So folks were, were concerned about how that was going to play out with this new system. So both of those were posted. Um, and one of the other important things um, for for myself and for the public, I think, was was the timeline. So we did I did a, a full timeline that I put up. It's in PDF form. And it's up on our website that shows how this all played out. So if we had folks saying, well, I thought it was this, I thought this passed, this was something easy where we could go back over it and look at it together and say, um, this is how it played out. So that's why we are where we are today. And that was uh, useful. And it does have links to the legal opinions and the lawsuits, uh, those sort of things that can help keep track of everything. And uh, as far as beyond our website, we did a poster for inside the voting booth with the ballot marking instructions. So if you didn't reference anything prior to voting, you would have something that would be kind of a cheat sheet to show you, here's what, what happens if you do this. Um, and we did have a few of the things that are no-nos as well, like double first choice and double skipped rankings and skipping your first choice being inadvisable as well. So this was, was pretty clear and was helpful for folks who had not uh, prepared previously. And we also did some public outreach um, as soon as we got the go ahead that we were actually doing this for, for June. We did go out, uh, the secretary and I did a, a public library tour. Maine is a big state, so we tried to hit a few of the core uh, places where we thought we could reach people. We did four different stops with a PowerPoint presentation and has those, those marked ballots were the highlight of that on uh, and a Q&A session for folks who wanted to ask him anything about it. This went... Uh, pretty well. We did provide a pro promotional poster for each of the libraries to customize and, and help publicize the visit from the secretary. We shared it obviously via our regular press release channels and our social media. Um, we shared the animated video while we were there. We only had issue with one of these sessions where some of the proponents really start to try to make it a um, you know, something to, to tout ranked choice voting itself, where we were trying to stay very, um, you know, above all of that, you know, not taking a position on whether it was good or bad or just saying this is what we're doing and here's how it works. Um, so we, we had to deal with that a little bit. And at our future stops, we did have to make a note that it was not supposed to be a, an advocacy or anti ranked choice voting thing. It was just an educational um, visit. So we had good, good attendance. We had some public broadcasts. We had fact sheet handouts at those events. So uh, we think that was helpful for folks and helped get the word out because it got some media attention as well. Um, we So for both the June primary and the November general election, we had uh, good luck with, with social media, particularly Twitter, the media themselves. They're on Twitter, as I'm sure you know, and that was a good place to reach them and make sure that they were getting out uh, the important messages and the right information and connect with them. Uh, we were also very active on our Facebook page, actively answering questions there and commenting if we we're seeing misinformation on partisan pages and directing them to our our site to just get the basic facts and, and get the right info without any any coloring to it. Um, we were doing during the tabulation process in the state of Maine, we have to gather all of the ballot materials and bring them to a centralized location for the tabulation. So that that took us a few days, about a week in each case. And we were doing constant Twitter updates during that process um, that was very important to the press and, and several members of the public also commented that they were pleased with that via our, our Twitter and Facebook pages so they could follow the progress and see how close we are close we were to getting a result uh, and we put some other ex explainers on there of, of how it was going to work. Um, we received a lot of calls I know at least in our central office and and also at elections of course and there were not many of us with uh, a lot of in-depth knowledge of the rules to answer some of the nitty gritty questions. Uh, that might be something I would um, suggest 
you help uh, help educate a crew on your on your staff that's ready to deal with these constituent calls. Um, I, I ended up learning the rules from animation of really really getting into the into depth with them. So um, I was able to able to help out some of those folks who really wanted to know what the details were. Um, the secretary did a lot of media interviews, as I'm sure you can imagine, and I covered those as well when he was elsewhere or occupied. We had a lot of media camped out during the tabulation in particular. This is a photo from Election Day, but we had folks you know, waiting to see, like, oh, how far are you? How far are you? So, so we were doing daily updates at least, uh, usually at least two or three times a day. Um, we are we are pretty lucky to have some dedicated journalists following the whole thing. And, and if folks were read about it in the papers... They were they were certainly up to date and were, and were following it. If they're watching TV, they they were up to date. Um, we had journalists who really took the time to learn about the process and fix their errors when we saw them. We'd we'd follow up with them and and they did try to to make sure they had everything everything right. Uh, we have some good relationships up here, and the secretary certainly does with them. And we were available, you know, whenever needed to be if they were calling us at nine o'clock at night because they had a a question about their story. Like I think it's this, but want to make sure we, you know we were available to them whenever they needed to reach us to make sure they were getting out the right info. Cause the last thing we needed was more confusion over, over this process. Um, and the big part that we found benefit with was having a really open process. Um, and that's something the secretary is very, uh, very keen on and, and our elections director as well. Um, we, we tried to keep the whole process just like we would. We ran it similar to a recount. So you can see in the back here, that's one of our TV reporters, not very far from the ballot boxes. We just had a little um, little area cordoned off for the public, but they could see everything that was going on. They could see all these ballot boxes and how we were processing them. Um, and our our deputy secretary for elections, Julie, uh, who I showed you earlier, would explain at the at the top of, uh, of the process what we were doing, how we were going to do it. So I would put that on our Facebook page, make sure everyone was clear if they weren't there to hear themselves. They could hear it uh, straight from the horse's mouth, if you will, and and uh, and get the details on exactly what they were going to be seeing. Um, we had to explain the terminology uh, the overvote, the undervote, exhausted ballots, continuing ballots. That was an important part to get through to the press, uh, especially when they were looking at the tabulation results. But we kept it all very public. We we're very open. These are the ballots coming into the tabulation site. Uh, of course, we got, we got cameras right there. Everything was very transparent with constant updates um, online. And during the CD2 count, we thought we might actually have... Uh, some overflow. So we set up an overflow space with a live feed of the tabulation. Um, so it looked just like it would if you were sitting in the room. And we didn't end up needing that, but we were prepared to provide additional public space. So that was something uh, we did plan ahead on a little bit. Um, so in the June primary, we used a whiteboard to show the results um, because there were some cybersecurity concerns where the, they didn't want me to hook directly into the tabulation computer to a projector um, just to make sure that we were covered. So we went with the whiteboard. We got uh, we, we got uh, <laughs> joked around about a little bit with that, but but I told them, you know, it's Maine. We're low tech. We're trying to keep it clean, make sure nothing is affecting this. So we, we had a nice display that showed people what the results were. And we also did printouts for them if they wanted it to see the tabulation. Um, we also, people wanted to see the tabulation computer so they could see how far the bar had gotten. And I was taking Facebook live of this whole thing and would, would shoot it onto the computer for a while so I could see how it was processing. So everything was again, very transparent. And come November, I was able to uh, confirm with our, with our cybersecurity folks that it was okay to hook up a project.
we, we did uh, do that and that way everyone could see the little blue bar move from left to right as they process um, and that process was also sped up um, and that helped people to uh, to feel that there was nothing going on behind the scenes everything you know that they, they could see everything working and how it we even had a issues with our excel file and we fixed those publicly um you know an extra name count or the computer not seeing a candidate as a uh as a candidate and that sort of thing so all of those were were fixed uh right under the public eye and under the cameras we we explained to people what we were uh what we were doing to make sure the count was accurate because that's our goal um so our only major issue and it's not really all that major but we had a lot of press folks who were wanting to get exact times for when we when we'd be ready to run the tabulation and we did not set a deadline for that because we didn't want to have it be to have it take longer than we expected and have people call us out on on some sort of impropriety because it was taking longer so that the you know the secretary always said that we we were going to keep it open and say you know we did you know, summer's around a week. And the only issue we ran into was some uh, kind of pushiness on the, on the press's part, I think, was wanting to know the pickup times and the route for our courier to go get the ballot materials. Um, and we, that is proprietary information with the company, and it's a security concern as far as um, our folks transporting ballots. So well, we were not sharing that. That was the only part that really wasn't... Um, able to be to be shared openly and it caused some press but uh, we were hopeful that they and that it was proprietary info because they were reused for courier routes that they used today and uh and that we we didn't have access to that info and any reasons couldn't um share it so our our big struggle that we did end up dealing with was the um as i said this had become a very partisan issue by the time the elections finally rolled around i'm sure you know that if you followed it and we had a lot of claims from the uh, republican party of maine on facebook in particular and that was tough for us because a lot of them kind of attacked people's faith in the process and and some of them were just flat out not true so we, we were very concerned about those and tried to respond uh, as we could. And in some cases just felt like it was not appropriate to respond. Um, so these were kind of an issue that we dealt with, you know, one by one, but we had uh, some, there was some concern, you know, again, the whole process was very open. So they were seeing some boxes come in that didn't have locks on them. Um, some of our clerks uh, had forgotten to put their locks on, but had the seals on them. So the seals are secured. They can't be broken without being they're tamper proof. So um, we were concerned about them spreading this message that somehow ballots had been tampered with when that was not true. And there was no evidence that it was implying that. So we did respond to that. Um, we had some other really un baseless concerns. We had a staff person who had expressed some um, political leaning the opposite way. Um, well, long ways before I had nothing to do with the count. And they were calling for for that person to be removed from the process. Um, they were claiming that the voting system was secret, that it was all black box. Again, the, the computer algorithm was proprietary. That was, again, one of the very few things that we couldn't really get into the nitty gritty about. Um, but it was certainly all up and up and based on our rules in the state of Maine for this process. Um, then they had some that just I didn't 
I, I wasn't even able to understand. Like, <laughs> um, we're just based on a, on a misunderstanding of the rules and how the whole process worked. Some of those we just did not respond to. Um, or I would speak to press off the record and say, you know, I just, I, I don't even know what they're trying to say. Um, the count is just, it didn't even make sense to me. So some of those, the but the press was pretty, pretty rabid for a lot of this. So we did have to respond in most instances. Um, these other parts, they attacked our, our certification process, which is the same thing we always do. Um, but when we did it for ranked choice, it was under a, a greater microscope and they were not happy with the way it, it's done. So we dealt with that. And then we had some other erroneous claims of, of folks reading the wrong ballots, which is they would not be able to vote them anyway because of the way that the counting is done. So uh, we had to clarify that. And that actually ended up being a good opportunity for us to explain to the press and the people about how the uh, machinery works to um, feed in the ballots and, and read them that it can't read something that's out of districts because of program that way. Um, so that was how we answered them. Um, so, you know, sorry, our, our timeline and not having much funding forced us to produce those educational materials on a shoestring, if you will, and kind of uh, out there and do kind of a grassroots effort to talk with people individually as much as we could and ask them to spread the word among friends and family uh, to educate them and send them to the resources that were nonpartisan. And we had good internal communication to create the message and get the info out there and make sure it was all accurate and, and unbiased. So that worked in, and it was well received and, and picked up by media as well as um, so it was a, a little challenging the complexities of the actual process clear to folks and the path to implementation easy to understand because of all the wrinkles there but most people were very clear on, on the ring of how to how to mark the ballot so that was that was a good starting place um, for us and the openness of the process both both physically and, and with the media providing real-time info and responding to questions with facts all of that built, built the voter confidence in the process uh, and folks that we were doing everything on the up and up and and doing it based on main law and, and applying main law as it went forward so um we felt we kept uh, a good uh, nonpartisan approach to running the election as we always do despite um the way this are going. So now, you know, looking forward, we're facing proposed legislation to change the constitution or to expand ranked choice or to repeal it. Uh, we have a bunch of bills pending. So um, we'll be continuing to update our materials online as that goes forward and, and do more outreach and education as needed. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Rosemary Blizzard with this month's final round. Did you know that ranked ballots were used for early voting in the Nevada caucuses held on February 22nd? Voters who voted early cast a ranked ballot with five total rankings, which were then distributed based on those voters' addresses to caucus sites across the state. This allowed voters who couldn't make the caucus on Election Day to participate in the election anyway by ranking their favorite candidate first and ranking backup choices in case their favorite didn't have enough first choice support at their caucus site. That makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our February RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCV resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast, too. 
Our theme music is Flutterby by Paddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of Rosemary Blizzard and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. 